When the brokenness of the world and all of the dying that is happening, when it gets me down, I have to remember that my God is a God of resurrection. And of course, the Apostle Paul, Romans chapter 8, verse 11, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Everything dies. This is a fact of life. Flowers die, pets die, friends and loved ones die. And you're going to die too. No way out of it. But Pastor Daniel is going to remind you today that for the follower of Jesus, death isn't the end of your existence. You'll learn today that there's a level of living ahead of you that's so far beyond what you're living now that your brain can't grasp it. The reward's going to make the struggle in this world worth going through. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Revelation chapter 20 as he continues his message, Evil is Crushed. What is fascinating about this is that this is what the devil's role and job always is, is to bring deception. Which, if you look at our culture and our world today, is on full display because we live in a what-is-truth culture. Everybody says, well, I have my truth. And you really can't put a personal pronoun in front of the word truth. If it's your truth, it's actually your opinion. That's how it works. But we live in a world where it's like no one is entitled to say this is the truth, except Jesus said, I am the way, the and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by him. So in our culture, we have a truth problem. But we really don't have a truth problem. We just have a comprehension problem. So what Satan's job always is in all of our lives is to deceive us so that we don't believe the truth. And he does it for his own advantage. Like if someone is deceptive with money, they will lie to you. So they'll make you believe something wrong so that they can advantage themselves. So it's to a personal advantage. And really what you find with Satan is that there's an old saying that misery loves company. And, and Satan's miserable, and he wants the glory, and he knows that if you don't give God the glory, then he thinks he gets the glory. That's his goal. So deception is real. Now, here's the thing. It's really easy to sit in church, to stand in church, to preach in church, and say, listen, the world is deceived, but I'm here to tell you, deception is at play in all of our hearts and in all of our lives on some level. And growth in Christ Growing in our faith in Jesus is a perpetual bringing our lives into the light and saying, Lord, where am I believing a lie? Where has deception taken root in my heart and in my mind, in my life? Because what you believe, you end up acting out. It begins with a belief, and that belief leads to an action. 
So at the level of what we believe, when deception is at play, then Satan can have fun. And it says that Satan deceived all the nations, and he tries seeks to deceive all the people. The serpent deceived Adam and Eve by his craftiness. It's always the same thing. So for each one of us, things like reading the Bible and being a part of church, being in a group, praying, worshiping, these are all opportunities to bring our lives into the light so we can see What are the lies that I believe? Now, here's what I want to tell you. Don't think for one second that you don't believe any lies. Because we all do. We're all growing. Sometimes we have the right belief, but the wrong application of that belief. Sometimes we have the wrong belief, but we apply it in a way that actually makes it look good. For all of us, life is constantly about being like, what are the deceptions that I've bought into And how do I repent of those which turns from the deception and turns to God so that I can grow? And I'm here to tell you, no matter how long you walk with Jesus, there are a lot of these. It's like peeling an onion away where there's always, oh, I can't believe I used to believe that. I can't believe I used to do that. And if you feel that way, that means you're growing. You're not what you used to be. You're not what you're going to be. But the key for each one of us is to be on that journey saying, I want to believe no lies. My bride, Lynn, we were just talking about this recently. It was so cool. We were talking about something. She's like, well, we always have to make sure we discern what is truth and what is falsehood in the midst of this. And I'm like, ooh, so good. That fits right in my sermon. Thank you very much. I'll preach that one. But for you, for me, for us, we need to say, where is deception at work in my life? Now, you can always find where the deception at work in your life when the way you're holding whatever you believe does not have the fruit of the spirit at work in it. So if what you believe does not make you more loving, more peaceful, more joyful, more patient, (laughs) more gentle, more kind, more self-controlled, that's how you know. You're like, oh, there's some deception there. And Satan's job is to deceive. But he's going to be bound so that that deception ends. Now, it's important to remember, because we don't want to have kind of a satanic obsession in our lives. Sometimes you can go in church and they're like, it's all like, everything's like like an obsession with Satan. You have to remember, 1 John 4, 4 says this, you are of God, little children, and you have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And that's cool, isn't it? It's a good reminder. He who's in you is greater than he who's in the world. So the power of God is greater than the power of the enemy. But we're not ignorant of his devices. So we have to ask the Lord to help us root out the deception. Now, you notice what's going on here. It says he's bound, and he's going to be shut up, that he won't deceive for a thousand years until the thousand years were finished. But then after these things, he must be released for a little while. Now, this is where things get weird. And I'm going to keep reading for you. It says, verse four, and I saw thrones and they sat on them and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God who had not worshiped the beast or his image and had not received the mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years, but the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. 
Over such the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So what we see here is that really we're encouraged here to enjoy the first resurrection. Because I get that right from verse 6. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Right? So we want to enjoy the first resurrection. But really this whole section and really the binding of Satan is really so that there could be this thousand-year period. Now, when you hear the word thousand and years, what do you think of? The millennium, not the millennials, the millennium. Now, if you want a really controversial topic among biblical scholars, bring up the millennium, and then you will find everybody draws their battle lines. There are three primary positions on how people deal with the millennial reign of Jesus, this thousand-year period, and they can't agree on almost anything. It's a beautiful thing. One's called premillennial, one's called postmillennial, and one's called amillennial. Notice they all have the word millennial in it, right? Because it's all about this thousand-year period. So it's all about the prefix. Everybody remember English comp? So pre means what? You guys are so smart. You must go to a great church with a great pastor. No, I'm just kidding. So premillennial means Jesus comes back before the thousand-year reigns. Postmillennial means what? He comes back after the thousand-year reign. And then amillennial means what? No millennia. The word a means no in Greek or Latin. So like agnostic is a no knowledge, gnosis is knowledge. Atheist, ah, no, theist, God. So the word a means no before. So there are people who believe that Jesus comes back before the millennium. Some people believe he comes back after the millennium. And then some people are like, oh, hell, there actually is no millennium. Now, here's what I want to tell you. People love Jesus. They love his word. They take it really seriously. And they hold all these positions. Now, those are just the three, like, the three bases, so to speak. But then there are all sorts of people on different places in between all the bases. And then there's some people who don't want to run the bases at all. That's a different discussion. If you've been with us in this series, and I'm going to nerd out for a second, so if I shoot over your head, just kind of hang with me, and I'll come back to normal land. But depending on how you choose to interpret the book of Revelation gives you certain parameters by which you interpret the book of Revelation. So what's interesting is for people who hold the book of Revelation, everything is absolutely literal and futuristic. So everything is hyper-literal. This is going to happen in the future. Then you land at premillennial because it says in Revelation 19, Jesus comes back and then he establishes the millennial reign. Okay. If you believe in a more symbolic interpretation, then you end up with the postmillennial position because you're like, well, listen, Jesus is reigning through the church now. He's here in the spirit now and Satan is actually subdued now. So if you have a symbolic interpretation, then you end up with kind of a more post-millennial. And then the amillennial position is very interesting because really what they're saying is the phrase thousand years in the Bible doesn't mean a literal thousand years because thousand years is just a really long time. Like it says in the scriptures that a day is as what? A thousand years. It says that God owns cattle on a thousand hills. Do you mean he doesn't own it on a thousand and one hills? Maybe he owns cattle on 999 hills. So it's an even number that is emblematic or symbolic of a long time. And if anyone if I said, look, you're going to live a thousand years, you'd be like, whoa, that's a long time. I always love this with people because I have this in my family all the time where some people round up and some people are like, like, they're like, what time is it? I'm like, it's 10 o'clock. They're like, it's 9.56. <laughs> and I'm like, you're right. But that's 10 o'clock in my book. It's close enough. 
Some people in my family be like, no, 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 it's 956. Okay. And so the idea here is depending on where you come from, you have these different interpretations. And to be honest with you, I think it's all going to pan out. In the scriptures, what you find is that the reason God's good world doesn't work quite right is because of the presence of Satan and his deception. And in order for things to work the way God intended it, Satan needs to be bound and removed so that this thing can work the way it's supposed to work. And that's really what we're getting at here, that with Satan being bound, everything is together. And now you have this resurrection. Now, what's interesting in verse 4, the resurrection is really focusing on those who were martyred during that tribulation period when the Antichrist is at work and the mark of the beast and all this. It's almost like you have a tearing of the resurrection. Now, listen, I said that out loud, and I don't want you to overstate what I'm trying to say. Because who was the first fruits of the resurrection? Jesus. And then you have like the hope of the future resurrection. And so what I'm saying is that some of our beliefs about like I die and then I go to heaven with Jesus, it's like, well, it's a little bit more complicated than that. And if the millennial isn't symbolic, then actually some of people are going to go to heaven and they come back with Jesus on their white horse behind you and then they're going to live on earth for a thousand years. So it's like you die and you go to heaven with Jesus, then you come back, you hang out on earth for a while, and then heaven and earth is going to pass away and you get a new heaven and a new earth and that's where you live forever. So to say like, I just, I want to believe in Jesus so I go to heaven when I die, it's like actually, well, there's a new heaven and a new earth, you might come back and who knows how this is all going to work. <laughs> Did I just confuse everybody? Everyone's just looking at me like, what is going on right now? <laughs> But if you take your Bible seriously, what I want to tell you is that it's not as simplistic as we want it to be. So many times you're like, man, I just want to go to heaven when I die. And there's that part of me as like your little brother in Christ who likes to start trouble and create a little havoc. I'm like, well, actually, you're going to go to heaven, but then you're going to come back to earth. And then you're going to go to a new heaven and a new earth. So don't get too comfy in heaven. But the idea of heaven is when you die, you get to go be with Jesus where he is. Now, locations and timelines, that's a different discussion that is fraught with interpretive problems. But really what we find here is that the future for us holds being with Jesus where he is, where he reigns, without any evil or deception at work. And my friends, that's enjoying the first resurrection. That's what this is all about. I love this. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Now, of course, you're like, what's the second death? We're going to get to that in a second. So hold your horses. But don't miss the fact that when you enjoy the first resurrection, you get to be priests with Jesus, which is what we're called to, 1 Peter chapter 2, and we get to reign with Jesus. Really, he reigns, but because he is the king of kings and we are people, we get to be with him in that. And really what we learn here is that one of the many benefits of being a follower of Jesus is we get to join Jesus in the work that he is doing. He is the priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek, as the writer to the Hebrew says, and he invites us to be priests with him. The Old Testament priest stood before God in the name of the people and stood before the people in the name of God. And all of us, when we are sealed and empowered by the Holy Spirit, that's our job. The reason you know the people you know, the reason you work at the places that you work, the reason we live in this community or whatever community you live in is so that you can have that 
priestly function where you stand before God interceding for the needs of your community and then you stand before the people in the name of God saying, hey, listen, God loves you. God is for you. God wants to do a work in your life. Listen, you don't have to stay there where you are. You don't have to be there forever. Yes, you are there now, but God is not going to leave you there. If you give yourself to Jesus right now, God is going to draw you and lead you in different directions. That's what the priest did. And that is who we are in Christ. And because Jesus reigns, we get to reign with him. But don't ever forget, my friends, that our God is a God of resurrection. I don't get it. I don't even like it. Because in order for something to be resurrected, there needs to be a dying first. And Kavis Vaughn is like, death sucks. It's lousy. But our God is a God who brings new life out of death. And sometimes that death is like the loss of a physical life, which is hard. So hard. Something many of us know a lot about. And it's heartbreaking. But other times, it's, you know, we have to die to ourselves. We were singing about it earlier, right? The death of pride. The death of a false identity. A way of seeing ourselves. Sometimes, in order for God to do what he wants to do, dreams that we've had need to die because there are dreams and not God's dreams. And when that happens, it hurts. But it hurts only as long as we forget that our God is a God of resurrection. The disciples on the road to Emmaus were dismayed because Jesus had died. And they hadn't yet become aware that he was resurrected. He was standing right in front of them. And when Jesus broke that bread as they ate dinner and their eyes were open and Jesus vanished, you could imagine how they walked on the road to Emmaus, where they were going and how fast they ran back to Jerusalem. No way! Like, we hung out with Jesus and we didn't even know it! You can imagine they were so sad. They, were, you know, they had the sad music, the minor chord music. They're just walking. Are oh, you the only one who doesn't know? I mean, we had home with so much hope in Jesus of Nazareth, and now he's dead. And you can just imagine them rolling back like, yeah, like he's alive. And for each one of us, we have to remember our God is a God of resurrection. When the brokenness of the world and all of the dying that is happening When it gets me down, I have to remember that my God is a God of resurrection. And of course, the Apostle Paul, Romans chapter 8, verse 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. My friends, if you're here today and you are born again, you put your faith and trust in Jesus, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. And he will raise us up on that last day. And that is great joy and great hope. Now, verse 10. I could talk about so much stuff in all this. It's amazing. All the things that I don't tell you guys is really what freaks me out. Verse 7. It says, now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle whose number is as the sand of the sea. They went up on the breath of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them 
was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So what we learn here is that there's one final rebellion is crushed at the end. So you see what's going on here. Jesus comes back and Satan is bound for a thousand years. He's placed in the lake of fire. But then after the thousand years, he's released and he like one final rebellion, right? That's what we're learning here. And everyone's about to say, well, who in their right minds would be a part of that? And that's a great question, but we should be asked that question for today and not for what happens after the thousand year reign of Christ, if that's a literal thing, which I think it is, but that's a different discussion. Why would someone not want to follow Jesus? And that's always the question. But you have to realize that there are people who are enter the millennial reign of Jesus, if that's a literal thing, which I think it is, but I'll say if, for those of you who don't, I'm fine. We're not going to fight about it. We'll all be there anyway. If we're in Christ, we're going to be there. It's going to be crazy. But what's interesting about it is there's people who move into the millennium who were alive in that last generation who weren't at the battle of Armageddon, but they don't actually believe in Jesus. So when Satan comes and he brings deception... People are going to fall for that. Now, the other big question is, is why would God do it this way? And the answer is, is, I don't know. I'm not God. I'm just telling you what it says. But what you have is Satan is released and there's one final rebellion. Now, what's interesting, if we take the millennial reign of Christ literally, there's all of these passages in the scripture about Jesus as the great king who rules in righteousness. And people say, well, that actually happens in the millennial kingdom in its fullness, like where the lion will lie down with the lamb, a child will be able to play in the serpent's hole. Like lions and lambs don't lie down together. One feasts and the other one's gone. You don't let your kids play in viper holes because they get bit and you love your kids. And even if you don't love them at that moment, you still want them to get bit by a snake. So, so you protect them. But in the millennial kingdom, there won't be all the death and the violence and all the things that are going on. And so people say, well, that's gonna happen when Jesus returns and he sets up his kingdom on the earth. That's how that works. But what you have here is God allows this final rebellion after the thousand years and Satan is released. And what's interesting is he goes and he gathers together all of these to deceive the nation. He'll go out and deceive the nations, which are the four corners of the earth. And he calls them Gog and Magog, which is, if you don't know your Bible and especially the prophets, you're like, what is that all about? So just write down in your margin, Ezekiel 38 and 39. It tells us battle of Gog and Magog. A lot of people, you know, they're uh, people from the north of Israel. People would consider it the stand region today. That would be that area. And what's interesting, if you've studied biblical prophecy, or if you study people who are really into like all the things, then you've heard all about Gog and Magog and what's going on in Russia right now. And they've been talking about this since the Cold War in America, about how Russia's Gog and Magog. And it's like, hold on. It says, actually, this all happens after. So don't miss that. If you impose the timing on it, it's actually after the millennial reign when it happens. But we'll leave that there for people to get mad at me and send me emails that I won't read. But I just say this stuff for fun because I can. (laughs) I just said that out loud. That was my inside voice. (laughs) Save your carpal tunnel to send love notes to your sweeties. Anyway. (laughs) But really what's going on here is there's this one final battle that's going to go on. But this battle, again, is going to be defeated quite effortlessly. It says, they come from the breath of the earth, they go to surround the camp of the saints in the beloved city, and it says, and fire comes down from God out from heaven and devours them. So once again, it's not like a tough fight. Evil is destroyed. It's crushed. Jesus is Today, Pastor Daniel got into the character traits of the devil, 
you learned, if you didn't already know, that he's a deceiver. So much so that God had to have him chained up and put away so that he wouldn't be able to trick the people of earth anymore. Pastor Daniel also reminded you that you have a responsibility to become familiar with Satan's tricks and temptations so that you can become a better disciple of Jesus. Everyone needs a little encouragement to get through their day, and we have a way to provide that for you. Pastor Daniel has some excellent advice, truth, and love to share in his two-minute messages available on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just go to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the social media links to find them. You won't be disappointed, and your day just might get a little brighter. Hey, everybody. This is Pastor Daniel Fusco from Jesus Is Real Radio. I'm so excited about what Jesus is doing through this ministry to change lives and restore his people. Would you consider partnering with us as we continue to share the message of Jesus here on Jesus Is Real Radio? You can find out more and donate securely online at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thank you for prayerfully considering this. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel will give you some things to think about, like... How do you want people to remember you after you're gone? We'll be talking a lot about finishing your earthly race well and completely, and you'll be challenged in your walk with Jesus. But most of all, you'll be reminded that God's going to make everything new and that you need to be getting ready for Him. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series, A Year of Revelation. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.